power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We bless God for a wonderful time of worship. Wherever you are, just close your eyes. We're going to give God some glory. Just praise His name. Bless His holy name. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Just give Him glory wherever you are. Just lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. We say, Hallowed be thy name, O God, in heaven and on earth there is none like unto you. You want to commit yourself into the hands of the Lord God Almighty, even as the word is about to come forth. You want to pray that this word will make meaning to you. You want to pray that your heart and your mind will be open and receptive for the reception of this word tonight in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The son of the living God. Just lift up your voice. Just lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come against every distraction of the enemy. Anything that will prevent you from focusing fully on what is going to happen here tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The son of the living God. Just lift up your voice. You want to move from the realm of the flesh. Move from the realm of the soul. Enter the realm of the spirit tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the Living God. You are the pillar that holds my life. You are the pillar. You are the pillar that holds my life, Master Jesus. You are the pillar that holds my life master jesus you are the pillar that holds my life you are the pillar you are the pillar that holds Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for our lives. Thank you for preservation. As your word is about to come forth, we pray that the hearts and the minds of your people will be open, sanctified, and made ready for them to have an encounter with you. By virtue of the fact that I'm a blood-bound citizen of the kingdom of God, I take authority in the realm of the spirit and I declare a supernatural injunction on any activity of the enemy. We declare the hearts and the minds of the people of God sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their Father through the Word this evening. To glory Father, to glory Son, to glory Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. 
we bless God for tonight and um, it's great to come your way this Thursday evening of course you know the original plan was for us to have had it yesterday but as God will have it amen we are having it tonight and um, tonight is a teaching session for the past few sessions I've been doing more preaching but teacher in me is itching to teach so I want to teach tonight hallelujah and um, I'll be doing that for the subsequent Wednesdays Um, tonight as previously advertised I'm going to teach on the subject of the rapture the rapture in the subsequent Wednesdays I'll go into things like tribulation and judgment etc etc hallelujah I believe these are times when we need to go into the scriptures and, and learn what, what the Bible is saying about some of these things because we we'll all agree that we are in very unusual times. Um, I've never seen anything like this before. Virtually the whole world locked up. Anyway, they say there's a difference between a lockdown and a lockup. Lockup is more like imprisonment, but a lockdown is more for your good. Hallelujah. Yes, so I've I've never seen this kind of thing before and it tells us that we are in very unusual times. Jesus prophesied certain things. He said, in the last days, troubled times shall come. Troubled times. That means unusual times. There will be uncomfortable times. Um, Things are uncomfortable currently. Businesses are ground to a halt. Um, Schools are not working. Um, Churches are not meeting I mean these are unusual times and we need to look at things from the Bible's perspective the subject of the rapture is one that anybody who is a Christian who is a believer has heard about before everybody who is a believer has heard about the rapture before it will be very strange for you to be a born-again Christian unless of course you got born again the last five minutes or so then we can pardon you for not having heard anything about the subject of the rapture and tonight we are going to go into the subject of the rapture we're going to see what the bible says and i'm going to try to give you a to paint a picture of how it's exact how exactly it is going to be how exactly the rapture is going to be now let me start by saying that usually when the subject of the rapture is mentioned it comes with in fact ask yourself how did you feel when you saw the subject the title the rapture on the poster how did you feel was it fear was it um, anxiety was it joy was it excitement was it anticipation (laughs) or it was an A (laughs) yeah so we all had different reactions to the subject of the rapture Um, I remember when we were young Christians anytime a sermon is preached on the rapture that week you'll be very good like you try to do everything well because it sort of shakes you and wakes you up for you to realize that we are not here on earth permanently hallelujah well the essence of this teaching is for you to remember that we will not be here forever hallelujah we are just pilgrims we are just passing through this earth most of the time we forget this bit and we live our lives as if we are permanent residents here on earth hallelujah when you die you go to the grave you know i was doing some reading and i realized that the greek word for cemetery is from the same root word as the word inn or hotel that means your grave when somebody dies their grave is just like a hotel everybody checks out of a hotel nobody lives permanently in a hotel you will check out of a hotel hallelujah yes so even if you are buried here on earth it is not your final resting place something is going to happen one day hallelujah and those of us who will be living when this rapture occurs to something is going to happen to us and that is what we are going to go into today amen now the subject of the rapture has been one controversial one over the course of Christian history when you go deep into Christian or or church history there have been a lot of divergent views about the subject of the rapture 
Now, while majority of believers or Christians believe a rapture is going to occur, how it is going to occur, when it is going to occur, the relative time is going to occur, is where we have the differences in opinion. There are four clear or four distinct schools of thought where the subject of the rapture is concerned. Now, what are these four? There's a group that believes that the rapture will occur before the tribulation, the great tribulation. Now, it's important for you to know that there's a difference between tribulation and the great tribulation. The Bible talks about the great tribulation. That one will be different. That one will be at a different level. You see, Paul and Paul talk about tribulations and trials. That is children's matter. The Bible calls it the great tribulation. So we have the group that believes that the rapture will occur before the great tribulation. There are those that believe that the rapture will occur in the middle of the great tribulation. There are those who believe the rapture will occur after the great tribulation. And there are those who don't believe in the rapture at all. And for those who don't believe in the rapture at all, their excuse, I find it very, very shallow actually. The excuse is that there is no word like rapture in the Bible. So what are you talking about when you are talking about rapture? That is their argument. But if you are going to go by what is in the Bible, then we shouldn't believe in the Trinity. Because you will never find the word Trinity in the Bible. If you are going to go by what you can find in the Bible, then throw your Bible away. Because the word Bible is not in the Bible. Hallelujah. So the fact that you don't see the word rapture written in the Bible doesn't mean it is not a subject to be talked about or a subject to be taught. Amen. So for me, that argument falls flat on its face. We will talk about the rapture, we will teach about the rapture, and we will warn people about the rapture. Hallelujah. So as for those who don't believe in it at all, we can put them aside. They, they don't have a point. There are those who believe the rapture will happen before the tribulation. There are those who believe it will happen in the middle of the great tribulation. And there are those who believe it will happen after the great tribulation. Now, um, if you ask me, what do I believe? You are free to believe what you, you, want, you want to believe. I'm going to tell you what I believe. Hallelujah. Yes. With Paul, uh, at times when he taught you, he will tell this one is me, my opinion. Uh-huh. So I'll tell you what I believe. I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Because when I, I go through scriptures and I also add a bit of common sense, I, I think it makes sense for the church to be raptured before the great tribulation. Hallelujah. Even though, I mean, when it comes to God and how he does things, what we call our common sense doesn't always apply to God. Because the Bible says his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. For example, I won't give up my son to be killed. No matter how stubborn he is, I won't give him up to be killed. But God did that. Hallelujah. That means his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. So I'm just putting in this caveat for you to know that, I mean, what we call common sense or human sense doesn't always apply where God is concerned. But we, the church, are supposed to be the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. If I know there is going to be a great tribulation, I, I don't think I'll leave my bride. I'll come for my bride before the, the, the tribulation occurs. Hallelujah. When we look at Jewish tradition where marriages are concerned, there are four distinct stages in the marriage, in a Jewish marriage. The first stage is that the father of the bridegroom goes to look for a bride for his son. So that is what we call a betrothal. So I believe Joseph and Mary, Joseph's father went to Mary's house and went to say, oh, we've heard that there's a young lady here and I want her for my son. That's how they used to do things. The father of the bridegroom will go to look for a bride for the son. That is stage one. Stage two. The son or the, the bridegroom goes to fetch the bride from the house. Stage three is a wedding ceremony. And stage four is a wedding dinner or a feast. 
So for class days, the father of the bridegroom goes to look for a bride for his son. Stage two. In fact, the stage two is that the bride price is paid. The bride price is paid. Stage three, the, the groom goes to fetch the bride. And then stage four, there is a wedding ceremony and a wedding feast. Hallelujah. So stage two is the pain of the bride price. All right. Now, in terms of our relationship with Christ, as the bride of Christ, stage one, which is the identification of the bride, has been done. We, the church, we've been identified as the bride of Christ already. Stage two, which is the pain of the bride price, has been done. And in this case, incidentally, the price that was paid for the bride was the blood of the bridegroom himself. Very interesting, difficult to understand, but just accept it. Hallelujah. It's been paid already. The bride price has been paid already. And then, stage three, which is the bridegroom going to the house of the bride to go to fetch the bride. In Ghana, most of the time when we're having the, the wedding, it's the best man who goes to the house of the bride to go and fetch. But the, the, the Jews, the bridegroom himself goes to the house of the bride to fetch the bride and you have the wedding ceremony. This fetching of the bride by the bridegroom, I believe is what we can liken to the rapture. When Christ will come and take his bride away before the great tribulation. Hallelujah. So I believe in the fact that the other, I don't want to go into the whole theology. There are verses in Revelation and even in Daniel and all of those things that show that that's not so much of my focus today. My focus is actually to paint a, a, a picture of the rapture for you. Hallelujah. Yes. So these are the schools of thought. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture that we will not be present for the great tribulation. Hallelujah. Before the time of the great tribulation comes, we would have been taken away. And you see, the great tribulation will be a very interesting time on earth. I believe we've all heard about the Antichrist. There is going to be an Antichrist. Whether we like it or not, there will be an Antichrist. You know, even the Muslims believe in the coming of a certain personality. I was doing some research and I realized that there's this character that the Muslims, our Muslim brothers are also expecting to come in the last days. And they call him the Mahdi. M-A-H-D-I. So you can go and read about the Mahdi. And when you look at the characteristics of the Mahdi, for me, it sounds very, very much like what we know in the Bible as the Antichrist. For example, one, the teaching about the Mahdi is not found in the Quran, which is the main book of the Muslims. But they also have what we call the Hadith, which are the teachings of Muhammad. So the teaching about the Mahdi is actually found in the Hadith. All right, so Prophet Muhammad wrote about the Mahdi. And he described the Mahdi, he, he, he spoke about where he was going to come from. And the Mahdi is supposed to be a ruler that will emerge on the earth. And he's going to bring peace and justice to the earth. He's going to rule for a period of seven years. But you see, the interesting thing about the, the Mahdi that is talked about in the Hadith is that he said, at the end of the day, the Mahdi is going to deal with all who are enemies of Allah. Those who don't go by the Islamic religion. He's going to make things difficult for them. Hallelujah. Yes, seven-year reign, a world leader who is going to bring peace, who is going to bring justice. And these are the characteristics of the Antichrist. I'm not saying that Mahdi is the Antichrist, but I'm just saying they look very similar. We Christians believe the Antichrist is not for us. Our Muslim brothers believe that Mahdi is going to actually come and bring justice to them. You know, at the moment, the, the, the Arabs believe the Jews are not being fair to them, especially the Palestinians, because the Jews have taken their land and things like that. They are suppressing the Palestinians and all of that. Whoever that Antichrist is going to be, a lot of his work will come from the Middle East. I mean, from the time most of us were born, there, there's always something about the Middle East. The Middle East has always been the center of human history and human news, and it's not going to change. So the Antichrist is going to have, 
it's actually believed he will be able to broker peace between the Jews and the Arabs. But we all know the Antichrist will come and for the first three and a half years it's going to be peace, it's going to be tranquility, it's going to be justice, but there will be a lot of tyranny in the three and a half years. But thank God we will not be here. Hallelujah. We will be long gone before this is going to happen. Now let us read what the Bible says in the book of First Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. The Apostle Paul is painting a picture of this event we refer to as the rapture. He said, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Next. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Verse 17. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Now, the Apostle Paul is painting a picture of what is going to happen. Here he talks about the fact that a trumpet will sound and the Lord will come down with a shout. So this is what is going to happen. I'm going to give you the chronological order of that day, that day of the rapture, how things are going to occur. First of all, it's going to occur one day. It will just be one day like that. How long the process is going to last, whether it will be seconds or minutes or hours, that one I can't tell. But it, it will just be one day. Alright? And so what will happen is that we will just be there will hear a loud trumpet blow the heavens will open and we will see Jesus Christ coming down you see the day Jesus was ascending the angels told the people they said this Jesus that you are seeing the same way you are seeing him go up that is the same way he will come down that means if he went up and the clouds covered him that means this time around, he'll come through the clouds. He'll come with angels. He'll come with a trumpet that is sounding. Hallelujah. So as I'm saying, it's just picture. We are all there and then suddenly we hear a trumpet that can be heard from any corner in the world. And suddenly the heavens open and this is Jesus Christ coming down. So the first thing that is going to happen is that the heavens will open we will hear the sound of a trumpet and we will see Jesus in the skies. The interesting thing about this coming of Jesus is that he will not land on earth. You see, when we talk about the second coming of Jesus, the rapture is not really the second coming of Jesus. Right? The second coming is when he actually comes for the battle of Armageddon and you know, etc, etc, etc. So this rapture we are talking about, Jesus will not land on earth. We will meet him in the sky. And this is how things are going to occur. The first people to be resurrected will be those who died in Christ. Those who died in Christ. They will be resurrected first. Now, it's important for us to understand the, the essence or the importance of this resurrection. Now, somebody will ask, when we die, what really happens? What happens to us when we die? I want us to look at the book of Luke, 
Luke chapter 16 from verse 19 to 26 Luke chapter 16 from verse 19 to 26 what really happens to people when they die where do people go when they die Sometimes, do they go to heaven do they go to, to hell where do they go to some believe in purgatory and different schools of thoughts but where do dead people go to the clearest indication of what happens when somebody dies is given in the book of Luke, chapter number 16, verse 19. This was Jesus himself saying. He said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. Verse 20. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Verse 21. And Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table. The dogs would come and lick his coping sores. Next. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. It doesn't mean poverty is the license to heaven. It doesn't mean you need to be poor. It doesn't mean if you are rich, you will go to hell. This is just a coincidence. It's better to go to heaven rich. Hallelujah. <laughs> He said, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. Next. And his soul went to the place of the dead. Everybody say the place of the dead. So that is where people go when they die. I'll explain further. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Next. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. Next. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. Next. And besides, there is a great chasm or chasm or gulf. What it means is that there is a great space or division separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Hallelujah. This is the closest scripture or the scripture that gives us an idea of what actually happens when somebody died. The Bible says he went to the place of the dead. So there is a place of the dead. It is not heaven and it is not the lake of fire as well but there's a place of the dead and that is what we refer to as Hades the Greek call it Hades the Hebrews call it Sheol S-H-E-O-L Sheol Hades Sheol now this is where people go when they die so the moment if somebody should die right now they go to the place of the dead. They go to Hades. And the Hebrews call it Sheol. Now, there are two compartments in this place of the dead. One compartment, can we have the, the diagram? One compartment is called paradise or Abraham's bosom. And the other compartment is the place of torment, which you can refer to as, as hell. Now, I've mentioned it before that hell is not the final destination of the devil and his courts. The final destination of the devil and his courts is the lake of fire. If you read Revelation chapter 20 verse 14, the Bible says, Death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. They were cast into the lake of fire. So hell is more or less like a holding place. It's a temporary place. And I believe the place of anguish in this Hades is actually what we refer to as hell. Hallelujah. So Hades has two compartments. One compartment called paradise or the bosom of Abraham. And then the place of torments. Where the Greek word for that place is Tartarus. Tartarus. Alright. So we have two compartments. One place very hot and uncomfortable with a lot of torment. And the place of paradise is a place of comfort. 
is, is a place of good things. Hallelujah. And there is a great gulf or a great, what do you call it, gutter or whatever between these two compartments, between paradise and the place of torment. So, so when you die and you leave this earth or you, you leave your body, you are either being transported by angels into paradise, which is not heaven yet. Heaven comes in when judgment has come. And judgment hasn't taken place yet. So every believer who has died is in paradise. That is why when the thief who was crucified with Jesus, he finally said, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So the day you die, that is the day you enter paradise. It's like a temporal place, a holding place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Right? There's a place of comfort. There's a place of... And it's not heaven yet. Heaven will come in after. You, you don't go to heaven immediately. You die. Hallelujah. You go to a place called paradise. If you hadn't given your life to Christ, if you were not born again, then you go to the place of torments or what I'll refer to as hell and you await being thrown into the lake of fire which is the, the, the final destination alright so let's get this clear the day you die you have an idea of where you end up the moment you draw your last breath you will know it's not like you see the judgment day is, is more or less for we believers it is a judgment of accountability for the unbelievers it is the final sentence it's like you have already been declared guilty but there's a day for sentencing where you are told you are going to be sentenced to five years imprisonment most of the time the day you are declared guilty is not the same day as a, as a day of sentencing most of the time they will put you behind cells for a while they will go and deliberate this guy should we give him five years should we give him this that 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 and then they come and sit for the sentence and that's how the day of judgment is going to be the great white throne judgment which i'll talk about in later teachings that is what is going to be for the unbelievers for we believers it is an award ceremony it's like a speech day where they call oh you are the best in english come and receive your award people will be giving crowns people will be giving rewards people will be giving huge places and mansions in heaven may you receive a huge mansion in heaven may you receive many crowns in heaven in the name of jesus and from this story that jesus told it is obvious that in death there is consciousness you know some people believe when you are dead like you, you don't know anything there are no feelings there is regret in death there are feelings of sadness in death you just examine the language of the rich man regret it's like ah if i had known i would have lived my life better if i had the chance i'll go back and tell my brothers but you have the chance now hallelujah to tell people about jesus christ one of the aims of this teaching is to awaken our sense of the agency for evangelism to preach christ to people to get people worshiping god to get people going to church hallelujah we have become too complacent it's like oh i'm there i'm fine me i know i'm going to heaven so i don't care about my brother i don't care about this person that i lay in the same room with we grew up in the same house friday evening when you are going for prayer meeting that person is going to the nightclub and nothing moves you you will have regrets when you die you will be sad you feel like i could have done this better that is why you have the chance to do it now hallelujah to preach christ to people there is a lot of regret people have the capacity to, to feel anguish people have the capacity to feel regret the second thing you can tell from this particular story is that it is possible to recognize each other after we have died because the man saw the rich man saw Lazarus and realized it was Lazarus we are not told they died the same day though I don't know they probably died 10 years apart or whatever but when he saw Lazarus he saw it was Lazarus he saw Abraham and he knew it was Abraham 
So when you die, you see Apostle Paul. You know that this is Apostle Paul. When you see Adam, you know that this is Adam. When you see Eve, you know that this is Eve. When you see Jezebel, there are some people you can guess what compartment they will be, but don't be too sure. <laughs> don't be too sure. Hallelujah. Yes. So you can recognize people. And from the scripture, when you are at one side of Hades, you can see the other side and know what is happening there. I don't want to go to Hades and be seeing somebody I know. I am in paradise and I'm seeing somebody I know, somebody who was a good friend of mine, somebody who was a brother, somebody who was my roommate, somebody I used to attend school with, somebody I used to chat with on WhatsApp, somebody I used to go and buy food with, have fun with, laugh with, being tormented. I will not enjoy the paradise. You, you can be in paradise and not really enjoy the paradise. Hallelujah. That is why souls must be our bedding. If you love somebody, the greatest love you can show that person is to give that person the opportunity and the chance to escape the torments in this place called hell. And this torment is, 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 is non-stop. It's continuous. No relief from it. I can't just imagine myself being in... I mean, when I gained an understanding of this, I was like, look, everybody I know and love must go to heaven. I can't be in paradise and enjoy paradise unless you are a very callous person, unless you are a heartless person. For you to be there seeing somebody you know suffering and you are there sipping Coca-Cola and being excited. The paradise will not be paradise for you. If you want to enjoy paradise, ladies and gentlemen, start evangelizing to people start introducing people to Jesus Christ start 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 winning souls of the people that you love anybody that if you hear the person has died you will be sad and you will cry that person is a candidate for winning for for for, for that person being won by you hallelujah if you will cry at the person's death trust, trust me you will cry more seeing the person in torment seeing the person in anguish agony even simple common water a problem for the person so this is what happens when people die and apostle paul is telling us that the dead in christ will be the first to rise so that means the first thing that will happen after the heavens are open we've heard the trumpet and everything is that people will start coming out of their graves if you live close to Awudobin Cemetery, you will see a whole bunch of bodies floating in the sky. Suddenly, if you live close to Osu Cemetery, you will see bodies floating in the sky going to meet Jesus Christ. When those people have resurrected, then those of us who are alive, let's read what the, the Bible says. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 52 to 55 1st Corinthians chapter 15 verse 52 to 55 1st Corinthians 15 the verse 52 says it will happen in a moment that means it won't keep long you are there and suddenly you will be changed he said in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown for when the trumpet sounds those who have died will be raised to live forever and we who are living will also be transformed next so a transformation will happen to your mortal body so that means it's not all of us who are going to die hallelujah there will be people who will never see death physical death as we call it he said for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies next he said, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Next. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Hallelujah. So what it means is that in an instant, this mortal flesh of yours will be transformed into what we call the glorified body. Those who have died will actually have that transformation. 
they will rise from their graves with a different kind of body amen it is a glorified body and what is this glorified body it's important for us to understand that on the day of the rapture it's not the spirits of people that will be caught up in the air with Christ it is your body like this that will be transformed if it was your spirit that was going to go out it means the world or the earth will be full of dead bodies that means it's your spirit that will go so it's like your spirit leaves you and you are dead we'll have a lot of dead bodies on earth billions hopefully <laughs> of dead bodies lying around that would be too much for the earth to handle even the small COVID look at how countries are struggling to bury the dead I saw a, a video of mass burials in Italy and it was sad you had to dig a huge trench or whatever and they were just lining the people inside like that to go and cover them and this was just about 12,000 people in Italy and look at how their, their, their cemetery system and their mortuary system is well. Imagine millions and billions of people die at the same time. The world cannot handle it. So it is not this, it is not your spirit man that will leave. It is your body that will be transformed. You will receive what we call a glorified body. And what is this glorified body? The glorified body is a special kind of body. It is the kind of body Jesus Christ had. When he resurrected from the dead when you read first corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 the bible tells us something first corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 it said but in fact christ has been raised from the dead he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died another version puts it that he's the firstborn from among the dead that means he was the first person to have this kind of body you know, normally technology, if they want to produce this phone, they'll do what we call a prototype. That's the first of its kind. It has all the features and everything. That's the prototype. They exhibit it, they test it, they do whatever. There's a prototype. It's the same with a car. There's a prototype that is tested. In the same way, the first prototype of the kind of body we are going to have when we are raptured is Jesus Christ when he was resurrected from the dead. And this glorified body has certain characteristics. It has certain abilities that your normal body will not have. In the first place, the glorified body will not grow old. The glorified body is limitless in what it can do. You remember that when Jesus Christ resurrected, he could pass through walls. He wasn't a ghost. He just had a glorified body. He could pass through walls. They were there praying, all the gates, everything was locked. And he came in he had a glorified body so that is the type of body that we are going to have glorified bodies cannot have sickness so those who are dead and are raised they will also be raised with glorified bodies the body that is in the earth even if it was in the sea the person died that all the molecules will come together and get glorified Wherever, if your body was torn into pieces and one piece is in Afghanistan, another is in Iran, another is in Iraq, all the pieces will come together and you will have a glorified body. If you died of a sickness, that glorified body will be completely free of that sickness. If you died in pain, that glorified body will be completely free of pain. If you had a disability, maybe one leg, you, you had only one leg or you were missing a hand or a finger or something, that glorified body is going to be a perfect body. Hallelujah. When you read accounts of people who have had experiences into heaven and seen their loved ones, and they're like, look, this person has never looked more handsome. Somebody died and saw the husband. It was like, I thought my husband was handsome, but when I saw him in his glorified body, oh, I wish we could court again. <laughs> so glorified bodies are perfect bodies. Hallelujah. So the ultimate aim, you see, those who will be dead before that coming, their souls will be in paradise. And their glorified bodies will now be resurrected to be united with their soul. Hallelujah. For us, all we need, there hasn't been a separation between our souls and our body. All we need is for our glorified body to be transformed. That is all. So at the end of the day, by the time we all meet Christ in the air, we are on the same level. 
and it will be a great mid-air reunion you will see people you knew who had passed away people you have missed people whose funerals you cried at who were in Christ and you have a great mid-air reunion but the interesting thing is that the center of the reunion will be Jesus Christ himself that is why we shouldn't be afraid of this thing called rapture it is something we must look forward to it's something we must get excited about it, it is something ah, we think this world is nice eh? we think the world is too nice fufu is too nice and PC is too nice rice is too nice like ah, how can I leave all these things and go to heaven let me give you a glimpse God used six days to make the whole earth and look at how glorious the earth is but heaven eh, he's still working on it thousands of years still working i can't imagine what heaven would look like if even six days but look sometimes you can see a waterfall and you are like i mean this shows the greatness of god how who can make such a beauty you see a rainbow you you see birds and like wow six days but he's using thousands of years to prepare heaven he's using years to prepare your mansion why would you want to continue staying here on earth and walking on quota when there are streets of gold shining gold it's not gold all polished gold people who have been to heaven before they said there are colors in heaven that we've not seen here on earth when you go there you don't have a name for it so you decide to name it after yourself after all, there are colors like burial and things like that, which are people's names. So you go, Charlie, there's no need. Let me name it Leslie. Hallelujah. We, we must walk with the mentality that we are just pilgrims here on earth. There is a better place somewhere. You see, the fact that we have the hope of resurrection should kill the power and the sting of death in our lives. The Bible says, I forgot how exactly he puts it. They said, glorious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of the saints. So sometimes when we see death and we, we see it as something, so God, he is actually excited about it. Hallelujah. But you will live to fulfill your days. Hallelujah. You will not die before your time. When it is time and you have fulfilled your God-given purpose and your destiny, that is when God will take you away. But I am of the strong belief that we of this generation, most of us will not see death will be alive when the rapture occurs because most of the things the warnings and the prophecies that were given have taken place i believe if our stay on earth is like a football match i believe we are in time added on. the 90 minutes is over it's just time added on we are wrapping up not even extra time you see extra time is like 30 minutes extra this one is time added on injury time what we call injury time i believe we are in injury time i believe we are in injury time that is why we must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling and let's understand the fact that you see our salvation is three-dimensional there's the salvation of the spirit the salvation of the soul and the salvation of the body as somebody said we we were saved we are being saved and we shall be saved what does it mean your spirit man was saved the day you became born again now you don't really have much of a hand in it it is purely the work of grace faith in christ jesus is the work of grace but when the bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling some people think it's a contradiction of scripture when we say oh it is by grace that we are saved then how can you work it out if it is by grace but that is the second dimension of salvation it is the salvation of the soul which has to do with the mind you see the greek word for soul is the word suke p-s-u-c-h-e it's from the same word that we got we got the word psyche psychology psychological psychiatric it's got to do them the soul has really got to do with the mind so the salvation of the soul is the renewal of our mind hallelujah why do you think when people are going for evangelism they don't say we are going for spirit winning soul winning 
somebody must change their mind it's 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 an attempt to get somebody thinking in a certain way when we come to church and the word of god is preached it is the process of the salvation of the soul new things are taught and our mentalities are changed before you became a born again believer you thought there was nothing wrong with fornication but as part of the salvation of your soul your mind has been renewed and now you know fornication is bad hallelujah certain habits you have dropped even though you are still struggling with some may the lord give you grace to overcome hallelujah that's what it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling that means don't get complacent continue to work on it continue to work on your weaknesses until we are all perfected and we all become like christ so we were saved our spirit man was saved we are being saved and we shall be saved our body will be saved on the day of the rapture when our body puts on immortality when we receive the glorified body when this mortal body gives way to immortality that is when we say our bodies have been saved my prayer is that this teaching will well up a certain desire to see people saved around you anybody around you that you know you weep to see die know that if you see that person burning in the place of torment you will not enjoy paradise if you will not take anything at all from this message that has been preached think about your brothers think about your sisters if you have children think about them workmates people that you know if you are told today that they have died you will weep trust me when you go and you see them suffering you weep more you will not enjoy that place of paradise let us start evangelizing to the lost again it is something we believers are losing when people become born again at first they will preach in the trotros will preach at the wayside will preach everywhere but it gets what time we become complacent we believe these things are for baby believers but as a statement the bible makes that hell is enlarging every few seconds somebody dies and that person is either going into the correct compartment of the place of the dead or going to the place of torment take note of this hell is enlarging it said broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to salvation we need to place ourselves strategically to be able to direct people in the right way direct people into the kingdom of god direct people to jesus christ let's not kid ourselves this mentality we are um, entertaining that oh we are all worshiping the same god it is never true jesus was the only one who was bold enough to say i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me if you don't receive jesus christ as your lord and personal savior you will not go to heaven you will not go to be with the lord anybody around you who has not accepted jesus as their lord and personal savior is not a candidate for heaven that person is a candidate for hell that person is a candidate for torment i don't think you want to see your loved ones suffer i don't think you want to see your loved ones tormented my prayer is that a burden for evangelism will come upon you if it is shyness that prevents you i pray that that spirit of shyness will be taken away in the name of jesus paul said i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god unto salvation a day is coming when we shall all give an account a day is coming when jesus shall appear in the skies i wonder what will happen to those who had always been doubting god's existence or doubting the fact that jesus christ is really the messiah that is the day people will be dumbfounded but my prayer for you is that you will not backslide you will not lose your faith your feet will continually be planted in the house of god and that god will use you as an instrument to snatch people from the fire of hell i want you to pray for yourself wherever you are right now maybe you are born again already but you need that zeal that that there's a certain burden that must come upon you there's a certain burden that you don't have a burden for lost souls a burden for people who are going to burn in hell a burden you want to pray that lord anoint me with that burden that burden for lost souls in the name of jesus that thing that
makes you uncomfortable when you see unbelievers that thing that that makes it impossible for you to keep quiet that thing that makes you want to open your mouth and speak the love of Jesus Christ to somebody just lift up your voice and pray the Lord baptize me with the zeal baptize me with the zeal you have been too nonchalant you have been too apathetic where the subject of lost souls is concerned pray that Lord pray that Lord that grace will fall upon me that grace will fall upon me if it is fear we rebuke that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth the son of the living God pray for that burden that burden that burden. some of you may need to go on a fast and pray I know somebody who prayed and fasted for five days and the only thing he was praying for is that Lord help me to love you and to love people more these are mature Christians you are not only fasting for a car you are not only fasting for marriage you are not only fasting for a breakthrough we are fasting for these intangible things these things that that cannot be explained some of you may need to go on a fast and pray that Lord baptize me with that burden that burden that people like Paul had that burden that people like Philip the evangelist had that burden to see the salvation of souls in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth the son of the living God if you are watching me you are listening to me you have not given your life to Christ I've spoken about the rapture it is an event that will occur after that event newspapers are going to report it television stations are going to report it it is something that is going to happen and it is going to be followed by a great tribulation the only way to escape this great tribulation is for you to give your life to Jesus Christ the father sent his son Jesus Christ to die for your sins and if you just say this prayer with me just like the thief by Jesus' side it doesn't matter what you have done with your life it doesn't matter how much you have wasted time in life it doesn't matter where you have been the wrong things that you've done the wrong people you've been with you want to pray this prayer after me inviting Jesus into your heart if you are there like that and you want to say this prayer just say this prayer after me Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus I believe that Jesus is the Son of God I believe that he came to die for my sins say tonight I repent of all my sins say tonight I reject Satan and all his works say I accept Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior say father write my name in the book of life thank you Lord for saving me in Jesus name Amen shall we pray father in the name of Jesus I thank you for this word that has come forth I pray that this word will be cemented deep down in our spirits for the hearers I pray that the words will continue to echo in their hearts and in their minds even as they go to bed today in the name of Jesus your word says your Holy Spirit shall bring into remembrance the things that you have taught us I pray that your spirit will cause these words to continue to ring let your spirit cause these words to continue to echo in the minds and the hearts of the people I pray for a new zeal for evangelism a new zeal to see people who are lost being saved I pray that wherever the listeners are baptize them with this burden right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth the son of the living God to a very large extent as a church of God we are majoring in the minor things and we are minoring in the major things but we pray that you shall show us the ancient paths and you will lead us along eternal highways once again in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth the son of the living God make it our bedding and our desire to see all nations all people all races all colors bowing down and singing hallelujah unto our Lord and our God Lord this is a vision we believe shall come to pass one day when nations who, who bow down their knees and worship you and declare that indeed Jesus Christ is Lord Lord we give you glory we give you praise to glory Father to glory Son to glory Holy Spirit in Jesus most excellent name have we prayed with thanksgiving Amen Amen
Yeah. 
Center. Stay blessed. Overflow. Someone overflow.